everyone, and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. So once again, we are welcoming back uh, Becky. Yes, those eagle-eyed amongst you will realise we're recording this just after the other one because you know it's just easier. But um, but yeah, we've got Becky in uh, back today. So Rebecca Thompson, we'll get the proper name. I, I'll, we're depending on how, what I put in the thumbnail. I, uh, it depends on how irritating I want to be. Don't put Rebecca <laughs> in the thumbnail. Oh, God's sake. But uh, but yeah, so um, we've got Becky back in um, this week. Talk about um, depression and um, and everything that that kind of leads from. Now, um, this will be one that's probably more more impactful for myself as well. Um, we have no idea what direction we're going to be in, so we're either going to be lovely and smiling at the end of this, or crying in heaps of tears. So you know, come along for the ride with us and see how how fucking well we do. Um, but how are we doing, Becky? I know we've already asked you that once tonight, but pretend this is a different night. How are you doing? <laughs> um. Yeah, tired. <laughs> no, doing all right. That draining. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, all good. Yeah. So, um, obviously, we, I mean, weirdly, I've talked about depression a lot on this podcast with different people and different people's journeys, but I don't believe, and somebody may want to correct me, I've ever really talked to someone about depression in general as something that they've suffered from and everything else. We have skirted around it. We've skirted around um, some of the, the darker sides of it with people, but never really been a full-on thing of depression. Um, and I am wondering if you can kind of tell us kind of your story with it and everything that you're comfortable saying about it and, and kind of where it's led you, what, what state it's put you in sometimes, everything around it. Well, that's very broad, isn't it? That is the idea. Um. Well, I, I probably should caveat by saying I would never, I wouldn't, just because it's not what I would choose to do, say that I had suffered from depression, right? So I wouldn't kind of go, I've suffered from, I would say I've had periods in my life where depression has played a part, but equally there is, there's also an element of it going, was it an appropriate response to a pretty you know, shitty time or a traumatic experience, or, because at, at what point, and this is where I always get to with, particularly with mental health, but yeah, definitely depression, um, is, is that not just an appropriate response as a human being going through a divorce? Is depression an appropriate response to an entire life basically disappearing before your eyes or losing somebody or, do you know what I mean? Loads of different things that happen in life that people go, that's caused depression but is that not just surely that's natural like that we're going to feel shitty afterwards so um there yeah there have been points in my life where I suppose depression has been triggered mm. um by different things and times when it's just come it's just it's just happened and there's no real like oh that's that's why that happened um you know there wasn't like a catalyst but I know that it has been derived from an earlier experience so it's never really just without a you know a reason I suppose behind it yeah. um yeah and I, I, the first memory that I can recall of feeling that low I was very young mm. I was probably oh I don't know 11 maybe younger like 10 11 something like that and I remember thinking I didn't want to be here anymore and uh, you know and having those those thoughts in my mind as a 10 year old which is now as an adult I look at my daughter and think Jesus Christ that there was something seriously wrong but again it was an, I think it was an appropriate response to something yeah it's and depression comes in all different um sizes uh, you know it's not just 
some people have depression some people have suffered periods of depression some people you know have episodes of depression and it's very different for different people i mean i was uh, diagnosed with depression when i was 15 um mm -hmm. and i think what people never quite understand including my mother uh, but my mum won't watch this so it's fine because it's swearing um is that i'm always depressed it's it doesn't really i'm always that that's it's that it's, I, I like to think of it similar to the hulk in the avengers film because it makes it sound better you know i'm that's that's the secret it's that that's always what i am and my default i talked about default with people about what their default emotion is because i think people assume that your default should be that you're happy but that isn't your default that's what society told you, you should be but my default is anger and upset that's what my default is so anytime that i'm not that is not me being genuine um whether i want to be or not that's not that maybe me trying to emulate something but it's not really where i am because my mind is telling me no you're worthless or you know whatever about you and i think that's it's also probably the reason that i, I am how i am because i'm whatever anybody usually thinks of me is usually the exact opposite of the way i actually think because that is in an easier shield to put up than anything else it's easier for people to hate you than to let down the ones that you think might love you and i think that's an that's the way that i've always kind of gone forward with it and so i've had that for oh my god 22 years <laughs> you're so I guess, old i guess me more than anything else <laughs> the dimples and the and the moisturizers it's the only reason i can stay this way guys this is, this is it um i'm just glad that i took my jeans off to my mother and not my father or i would look 10 years older than i am rather than <laughs> 10 years younger. um because <laughs> i can potentially get away with seeming like i'm the same age as becky which i'll take um <laughs> there's nearly 10 years difference between us <laughs> That's why I'll take it. Um, <laughs> it's it, again the dimples, the only way I get around it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been 22 years of that, and I think I think it's very difficult for the outside world. I don't know about I don't know about you when you've had it, but I think it's incredibly difficult for the outside world to understand someone with depression. I think for, for me, most people with depression, depending on what version of depression, how they have it, anything like that, what version, it's like it's a fucking game that you just bought out. You know what I mean? Um, is that every single one of us in reality is a, is a scared, crying child in the corner. Mm -hmm. But whatever shield or wall or whatever we've decided to put up around us is the one that people either like or dislike or both. And you don't know which way to turn. You know, some people will like the way you are. Some people will hate the way you are. At the end of it, you don't really know who you are at all. And I think that becomes very difficult when it breaks, because if all you do is f build a wall around you and you allow it to just be there and it gets stronger and you reinforce it every time you need to because you think it's about to be knocked down, when it finally does go, it doesn't just spring a leak, it completely crumbles. Shatters, yeah. And yeah, so, I, you know. Yeah, I, I, can, I, can I make a slight um, disparity between you and I yes. in that? So... I've never had a, an official diagnosis of depression. I've had every other freaking diagnosis. <laughs> I've had. Um, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder. Um, at one point, they they believed there was a, a level of schizophrenia because of my my behaviours and all the rest of it. Right? Mm. There's loads of other stuff that goes with it. As a woman, having having depression, going through a depressive episode, there is so much more stigma attached to it 
for for being a different stigma i don't because with men i think it's very different because there's toxic 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 masculinity that you know not showing emotion with a woman you show emotion and it's pathologized like it's it's very different and i think i struggled with that a lot growing up i was abused as a child for like 14 years 14 years yeah 14 years in total um to the point where actually having depression and potential bipolar those are really appropriate like the the criteria that you satisfy in that in terms of erratic behavior and traumatization and various other things that's an appropriate response to being abused for that period of time and yet because i was a woman it was it was pathologized and it was a case of like she's overly emotional she can't she can't manage her emotions you know all of these things and then when i was crashing and i was really really down i was and this was when i was slightly older i was a bad mum you know there was there was threats of taking my child away from me because i i couldn't cope I was going through a divorce and I was a single parent like there was no one helping me there was no reaching out it was a case of people judging me for it and so for me having that that label is really worrying because it comes with a lot of consequence when it was younger it was a case of well you clearly can't cope in life like you know you need to go to a hospital or you need to go here or someone needs to look after you and and whatever and you're not capable of looking after yourself when you're older it's you're not capable of looking after anyone else so we're going to take away really the only thing in your life that you've ever felt that you've done well um and whatever so i think yeah there's there's a darker side of depression if that's even possible well yeah i mean it is and it's, i think it's important as well to have that to, to point that out to people that because i think everyone has this idea of what depression is and it means that everyone's down and it's like, i just want to hit people to say that shit um it's also the reason i really fucking hate things like csi and all that kind of stuff because they're you know the the fact that someone's got tickets to aruba and some frozen um frozen food means that it must have been a murder and it can't be suicide like what the fuck is the matter with you guys um but yeah it's it's important i mean obviously um depending on which version of the dsm or um international uh, disease manual you're looking for um bipolar disorder will come under depression as well um because of elements of it and it's and that's half the fucking problem with with depression and with every mental health um thing is that they they change their their, their spots every few they change that and, and you have everything all in one go or nothing or some of some and you see one doctor and they think one thing and then you see i mean just a caveat i don't know how much people know will know about me in terms of on this but i have two degrees in psychology and forensic psychology like and the reason i have those degrees is because people kept telling me that there was something wrong with my brain when i was younger and i was like no there isn't i was raped for seven years like that's a sorry but that you know that's a a natural response to that absolute violation of your body of your mind of your soul of everything for such a period of time at a really developmental stage natural fucking response so do not put me in a box and tell me there's something wrong with me there's something wrong with the world and and this is also the thing as well is that and you were saying that there there are things that stigmatize both men and women for very different reasons but they the problem is they don't stop stigmatizing both sides and that's the fucking worst thing because it it then it it causes almost a an attack on both sides because you try and solve one and because people haven't figured out that that it's not the same attack on both sides because you know obviously you have a lot of a lot of men that kind of feel that their mental health is 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 ignored because they're men but at the same time we don't put enough research into women because 
almost every mental health um, diagnosis that comes about, the reason we have that diagnosis and the reason that there's a lot more women nowadays being diagnosed with certain mental health issues is because all the fucking research was on men. All of the research was on men. And so especially with things like autism, and I'm going to call it fucking autism, not ASD, because I've never actually learned from anyone, including the Autistic Society of the UK, that actually likes the term ASD, Mm. um, is, you know, so many people because uh, of those original tests was all on boys and men and so they don't we don't have the same response to it and because it was a little different women found a way to mirror somebody or to um, find little loopholes in their the way they act and so they were misdiagnosed or they weren't diagnosed at all because they didn't fit the way that boys responded um and and it's such a problem and of course the problem on the flip side for some someone like myself for instance with depression is everything that effectively causes my depression is also the reason I've been able to um, hide behind it. I am the result of toxic masculinity as much as I, but the problem is, is that everything about me isn't. And that's where one, it's very difficult to not seem that way. And two, it's almost impossible for people outside of my own head to know that I'm not that way because I am, you know, and it's, I'm sorry, but height does come into it because it's used a lot. I'm a six foot two, broad martial arts, um, you know, trainer, former um, tournament fighting, educated, south of England, white male. Everything about me, unless my hair was white is the only way we can, my hair was blonde is the only way we can get worse, screams toxic masculinity. I come from middle class family. Everything is that. And of course, that's what is also then helped me and been easy to just, be behind because it's easier to be that person it's easier to put that persona forward and to be that grumpy fucker and the one that is in the face of him because that's what people expect and so it's just easier to be what people expect sometimes but of course everything about me is the opposite and I mean we've had this discussion before when people actually start to read what I've written on certain subjects or interact with me on certain things the first thing I generally get especially from certain people is oh you don't think at all like I thought you did and it's like yeah because I I've never said that I did, but you have assumed it. So, of course, it then feeds back into itself. So everything that's protecting me is also the thing that's, that's beating and, and, me up. <laughs> and the thing is, I've seen that with you. I, I've seen that with you a lot because I think we had that misunderstanding, actually, when we first met each other, in that you thought I was a certain way and I thought you were a certain way because we both hide behind different personas in things. And, you know, I don't think I'm wrong in assuming that, that you probably assumed something about me in, in that sense. Like... I've had that my entire life. As much as you hide behind the toxic masculinity, I go through an assumed competence. Like I go through life and I'm this bubbly, strong, you know, really resilient, just get on with stuff, get your fingers and loads of pies, just crack on. Mm. Underneath it all, it's really fucking tough. But I found a way to cover it up. So people never ask. People don't ask me if I'm okay. They just, I'm always the one helping other people and, you know, putting myself out there and going, yeah, everything's fine and just cracking on. And and so when it does get to, I remember a, a time. I don't know if you want me to, like if I can speak about specific periods of time. I don't know, whatever. When I'm when I was getting divorced or when I was separating, the the first Christmas, which was just the hardest time ever, really, because um, we we separated in the October and had Phoebe. She was two at the time, so it was the first Christmas. And because I was on my own so he had moved out I'd kept Phoebe with me obviously it was at the family home but I don't have 
family around me like I moved out very young I just don't have that level of like support and network around me so we made the decision that Phoebe would go to her dad's for Christmas because he had quite a big family and she could still have that Christmas environment do you know what I mean like mm. big dinner and all that. if she was with me it would just be me and her <laughs> sat in front of the deli like it's not and ultimately it's all about the kids so that first Christmas the Christmas day that he came to pick her up I remember having a bath on that day mm. and literally sitting there in the bath going I could just I could just do it now do you know what I mean like I it doesn't this is the point in my life where I'm going everything is shit and I rang my mum and I never speak to my mum I don't don't really have a relationship with my mum I rang my mum um and I was like mum I am really not okay you know and she went I spoke to you the other day but she was fine and I was like but I'm really really not okay and she went oh have your nice bath and uh you know cook yourself some food and I was like well, I don't want to eat. I want to die. Like, that's, you know what I mean? And it was just a case. And in her mind, she couldn't, she couldn't um, match up the two different people that she was seeing. There was the Becky that all the way through that entire process had been really, you know, headstrong, forthright. You know exactly what I'm doing. Everything's fine. It's all going to be okay. We're all getting on really well. Everything's lovely. And then the person that couldn't cope with that and actually was you know cowering underneath and and I think emotional times like Christmases are really difficult um anniversaries are really fucking difficult of different things and they bring up a lot of emotion and that's when I think you start to see the cracks in people's masks and that's when you should look after people really or, or keep an eye out and it's I hate this idea of someone needs to reach out to you because you should be reaching out to other people mm. do you know what I mean like because generally people like us and we don't reach out do we? Like we we don't. That's not what we do. During lockdown, we used to speak every single day because you were not okay and I was not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's it's one of those sort of things that people just don't see. Now, my, my I'm not really necessarily close to my my family. I'm, I've, I've got closer to certain people, um, but I think my mother's got better with it because I think my mother has actually realised that she has been depressed in her life. Mm. She depressed, and it's it's weird because it's it's almost like she's seeing it through me now and, and realizing it i mean i've i've been at the the end so many times and it's i think it gets very weird for certain people to see so it, in terms of for instance the student union at christchurch different sabbatical officers and different members of the team will think completely different things about me because of different times they've seen me mm -hmm. um and i've complete uh, aiden for instance who is former sports sab um, who has not been sports up for a while will have very different views about me because when I basically had a breakdown and went missing, a load of students um, who I knew contacted the student union because they're like, well, someone must know. And Aiden was the one that kept messaging me. And I think at one point, sorry, Aiden, you're not going to watch this, but if you do, I apologize for telling you to fuck off. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I, that's like as much as anything else, because I didn't interact with sports. But for some reason, Aiden was the one that everyone seemed to think, well, you, you'll be good at this. So his view on me is going to be, no, the, he's fucking broken. So, but then it's that mask that you create because other people at the time would probably be, oh, no, Adam's this or that and everything. And Aiden's view is going to be that one. It's going to be, because he, he's seen me since and he's seen everything else, but his first real thing is me being broken. And I mean, at that time, I had the police looking for me, Christchurch University, University of Kent, the ambulance service and my parents looking for me and I think that's one of the first times that my mother saw my depression 
Mm. Um, not just heard about it. I'd told her before, because um, there's, there's two times. There's, I mean, I've tried to commit suicide nine times. Um, and this is where you know that you're, you have good friends out there. Because Dave, again, you may not watch this, but you're a bastard. He is probably the only person that could get away with this because his immediate his immediate response to it was, "Well, at least you're not fucking good at everything." I was like, <laughs> "Anybody else? Dave, if you were anybody else, I'd have fucking." Oh. Um, and it's it's that kind of thing, and I think people find it hard because they see me smiling, they see me laughing, and things like that, and they don't understand that. Yes, I'm glad that they that I was stopped or that something happened, but at the same time. I'm annoyed with the people that stopped me and I hate myself when it didn't work. I think that's, it gets really hard for people to see that because that's not people much as we try and pretend we don't judge a book by the cover. We fucking all do it. We all judge a book by its cover. And unless you want somebody to be, to, to read the pages, you don't necessarily let them in. So everyone will see what they, what they wish to. And there's been two times when I am amazed that I'm still here of the, of the night. There's one of them, I full on. I, the only thing that stopped me was being being ill. Um, it was it was pills, and so basically me being ill was the only reason it didn't work. Um, and um, the other time I ended up not trying, which was after my wife died. So um, some of you that watch and listen to these will know my wife passed away in 2019 in the November, um, and. I had committed to, and Becky's not going to like this because I've just realised Becky was around at this time. I had committed to um, killing myself in the August of 2020. Um, and I had a countdown. I basically knew there was going to be a certain amount of days and no one would find me because it was locked down. That was it. I was going to be done. No one's going to find me. No one's going to see me. No one's going to stop me. And it was only really, um, I'm amazed that I'm still here because there was no reason for me to still be here as far as I'm concerned. And I think this is hard for people to understand with depression is that much as people can go, yeah, but you've done stuff since then, you know, you've done stuff with mental health, you've helped people. I don't care. There's still a part of me that doesn't. And I've said this to people since is that I am annoyed that I wake up every day and that's never been different. Probably since I was very young is that I'm annoyed that I wake up every single day. I do not and that's not to say that right now I want to end it, but I'm still annoyed when I wake up in the morning. The first thought in my head isn't, oh, let's go and attack the day. It's, ah, oh, fuck. So what's the difference then between you don't, you're annoyed that you wake up every day, but you actually don't want to end it. So, so at what point does that on, on the scale kind of tip, you know, whereabouts are you? Do you, every day, is it like a, I'm a seven. So actually I'm, I'm three away from wanting to leave kind of thing. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, where does that, really, how does that change? I think it's very strange because I don't think they actually are on the same scale. And I know that sounds weird, but it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like, you know, you, you support a football team and you, you that's on one scale and the other side of it, you play for the football team. And I think that's how they're, they're the same because somebody that's playing for the football team want the football team to win in the same way that a supporter does. But they're not on the same scale, even though it seems like they are. Um, so I'm never, and that's why I've said that I always have depression. And I, I think there have been heightened times when I think, and I, I think I, I point this out, and I, God knows if anybody paid attention to this union, but there were certain times when I was worse. Like I'm, I am relatively abrasive anyway. I'm like, that's the way I am. But when my wife was, when after the terminal thing, I, 
I was far worse. I wasn't just a, I was actively trying to piss people off to a point because I was like, fuck you all. Don't fucking care. Um, you know, I have that general thought process, but then at the time it was just like, I have nothing to hit. I have nothing to do. I can't stop what's happening. So it, it needs to go somewhere. And I, I'm going home and looking after my, looking after my wife. I, I have nothing else to do. So, of course, but the problem is, is that it's always built into that, that, you know, the bullshit that I've created for myself. As with a lot of people with depression, you create the thing around you. And if something is harsh, people just go, oh, yeah, but it's just them. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the persona that's created around you. And at certain points, it, it crashes. I mean, I, I think there's very few. I think the person that probably knows that side of me, not me the best, but the, that side of me is probably Rev Dave in um the university because so i don't i'm not religious in any way shape or form i'm an I'm atheist however um i found rev dave being very um he's not going to like this but i've said it to his face very humanist approach um mm -hmm. and so he, it's not about any other bullshit and he's probably one of the few people i've cried in front of the most mm -hmm. um you know when my wife passed away um, and I needed to get back and I didn't know what to do. I, I found myself walking towards the, the university. Why in the name of fuck I would walk towards Christchurch University is no one's guess. Um, but I just found myself there. And then Rev Dave was just like, hey, Adam, how are you? And I just fell on him. Just f and he immediately knew what happened um, because, you know, I talked to him anyway. And he's seen that side of me, but other people don't. But yeah, I, I think it's difficult for people to understand that you can always have depression in the background, but not always want to kill yourself, even if you really hate the fact that you're even alive. It's like having a baseline, isn't it? And your propensity is that. Or, that's how I would describe it in, in as much as it, it's in me, like, and it's in you, right? It's always there. But we find sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's not. It depends what's going on in life. Like your reaction was completely natural and normal but because you have like a baseline <laughs> of you know whatever of, of depression if you if you want to call it depression I don't generally call it depression like I just call it a propensity to trauma like a trauma-informed response to things which everything I do is trauma-informed because ultimately my entire life is fucking based on it uh you know and I don't like I, I really genuinely don't like the pathologization of it I don't that's not doesn't sit well with me but it's the same thing or a similar thing in as much as I don't wake up every day and realise that I don't want to be here. But almost immediately when things are not great, that is my my go to response. It, you know, I don't have I don't have an appropriate response to things necessarily. My, my go to response is pretty fucking catastrophic. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for me. The reason I say it as being depression is because of the fact that it's not even the propensity for being there. It's it's always there. Mm. So I almost everything about me, even to myself that I would admit to myself, is in itself a lie, I feel a lot of the time, like everything that is known to others about me, everything that is known about me to myself feels like a lie. Um, so it's that, you know, the self hate, the the kind of just everything about it. And like I say, it's that, that default of, of anger and upset that's always there. You know, I, I took some time away from doing um, mental health stuff in December. And the reason that I did it is because I started to realise that my default was coming through. Mm. And it sounds so weird because 
I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, we should be our default because our default always happening. It fucking isn't. My default is to is to be that one that gets angry. And if you push the buttons, I, I will, you know, and that's that's what's happening. So I just went, right, I can't fucking do this. I'm going to go travel. Um, and that's what I did. But I think it is it is very difficult. My, my mother's first time of really seeing when I was um, when I was, you know, not just my words was um, I basically tried to run out of my house. Um, so this was when Aidan had tried to contact me and everyone else had. And I it, um, just tried to, I, I, I heard them and I thought they'd try and come in through the front door. So I tried to escape through the back door and they fucking turned up. And it was my, my father, my mother and my, um, my, my stepfather. And I think my, the first time that they could, they and my mother and everyone could realize it is that there's blood pouring from my arm. And that's the first time where they go, you kind of, it's not just being told that your son suffers from yeah. depression. It's that there's literally blood coming from his arm. Mm. I mean, we ended up going to Morrison's for lunch. Like it was, it was such a, what the fuck do you do? Because if you, if people don't know what to do, yeah, yeah. go to default. And I mean, my, my parents were born in the second world war. Like this is not, they, they don't know what to do. I mean, my, as I said, my mum's got a lot better with it. And I think she's actually probably understands it a lot more than a lot of people nowadays, but because she'd realised that she's had it in her life. But uh, yeah, it was, it was the kind of, well, let's go to Morrison's and let's eat something. Right, you haven't eaten, let's, let's get, you've got to eat. Yeah, feed you or give you a let's, cup of tea. Yes, that's so generally that's, the thing. <laughs> that's what we will do. That is what we can deal with. Yeah. And I think it was, I think at the time, I can't quite remember, but it's like, right, you're coming home with us. Yeah. And, um, and I think the worst thing was... The worst thing for my mother was the words, and the problem is, is with everything is I have neurodetic memory is not help, as helpful as you think, guys, because you remember everything. Um, so she she said what everyone says, and I fucking hate these words when they come from other people, especially is what about us? Mm. And my immediate response was, what the fuck makes you think that I care about you? And the problem I think people don't realize is that at least for myself, is that it has got to the point, because the usual thing that people do is, oh, but what about the people you leave behind? What about this? What about that? If I've got to that point, none of those words are going to help me because I don't care. I either don't care, or I believe that my not being there is better for everybody that is else around. You know? Um, I mean, I, the last time I, I fully like tried, it wasn't just ideation, it was physically trying, it was on the Monday, and me and my wife um, officially became a couple on the Friday. So the, from the Monday to the Friday, and I mean, my, my, my late wife was a, was a nurse, so she had some kind of basic understanding that I was a bit fucked up. Um, and it's the joke that I had through, through our marriage was, you know, I might be crazy, but you're crazier because you married me. Um, because, you know, she knew what I'd, what I'd done. She knew that I, that, was, um, that I wasn't alive from my own choice. You know that, and I think that's difficult to know. To, if you know that about a partner, is I'm not here because I want to be. I'm here because something went wrong. Mm. And I think that's. I think that's. It's. But, it's, but it's, at the same time, what we what what we've spoken about before is that. But if you know that about a person and you've seen them, that's their true core of who they are, right? If you know that someone's tried to end their lives and are only really here because it failed. That's you've you've seen the ins and outs of a person and you've accepted that. Like that is who you are. And that's the basis of, of something. I have the same thing where 
similar thing not the same thing because mine isn't my, my default isn't depression like I say that's not I don't think that's where I come from but my I have lots of lots of levels of different shit that goes on that only really comes out at certain points and there are only there are very few people in my life that have really seen me in that way because I don't show people I don't let people see it I either mask it really well or I run away and <laughs> anyone that listened to the last podcast and I talk about different bubbles and jump from different bubbles sometimes that's not through my own choice sometimes that's because people are so close to seeing you know the the real me I suppose the the shitty bit the traumatized bit the the child that's there I can't let people see that so I leave and I I move on and I go and then I create another persona in a different sphere and whatever and the the in relationships that causes a lot of problems because you almost want people to know who you are but you're terrified of people finding out who you are and seeing that side of you because it's not who you believe you want to be so I pride myself and I am 90% of the time a very resilient independent woman I'm a mother I'm you know I I I think I've survived a lot and I will use the term survived because you know all too often people are victims of something and I'm not I've just there's a lot of stuff that's gone on and I'm now out the other side of it and I use it for different purposes right recently um one of one of my abusers from when I was a child died quite suddenly um this was not that long ago actually maybe a month or so ago two months ago and um he died he was 26 so he was younger than I younger than I um and he died he died and I I only found out that he died from my sister calling me and I was in the midst of like an argument with my partner to be fair like we we weren't really speaking he was at work and it was all a bit tense um and I got this phone call and the first thing I wanted to I mean I couldn't breathe I just sort of had no response my sister was really distraught on the phone and um I was trying to calm her down and you know what I mean like look after her and stuff she's my little baby sister that's what you do and then after like she'd calmed down I hung up the phone on her I just sat on the floor and was like I don't know what to do with this information like I really this guy did horrendous things to me and my sisters caused untold levels of of shit and trauma throughout our whole lives but at the same point he was 26 and he died of alcoholism so there was something wrong within him and um, um, let's be honest if he's that much younger than me and this happened when I was a child he was a child as well something happened to him to enable him to do that to us so people have failed him he's then become an alcoholic to potentially deal with what was you know what happened to him or what he did or whatever and there was no support network around so there's I felt guilty I felt sad for him I felt angry for him but I also felt really crappy because I've never thought about this person in years and then suddenly there's all these like things coming up and Ian came home and I told him and all the argument was gone I mean you just you know petty you don't you forget who fucking loaded the dishwasher or didn't (laughs) when something like that happened so that kind of you know by the by and later on that night and he he said to me he was like let it out and I went I can't I was like I physically cannot let this out right now I was like because I need to get baby to you know from school and he's do this da, 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 da. I was like right now I cannot think about it because it will cripple me so I just carried on for the rest of the day um and then that night we're laying in bed and I, I started just talking about it and it, we were laying in the dark and I was just chatting da, 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 getting it all out and I started to have a panic attack and I have not had a panic attack for no eight years nine years maybe when I was last well no when I was diagnosed so a long long time ago had this panic attack it turned into uh, like a flashback it was horrific I threw up 
I was shaky and I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to die. And all I could think about was, I don't want Ian to see me like this. You know, that's all I, all I could think about in my mind was, I know that this is happening and this is really bad, but I don't want him to see this side of me because he's only ever known me as who I am now, not who I was then. Mm. And I think, I think that's the hardest bit is letting that facade down and actually letting people in to really who you are at the core of you. And for you, that is your, I don't want to be here every day when I wake up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm really annoyed that I've woken up. Yeah. For me, it's, it's I'm a child still and I need to be looked after. I think, like I say, I think for, for a lot of us, it is that they, we are just crying children in the corner for, for a lot of us. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I've, done, I've done martial arts since the age of four. So my discipline in that is probably what has helped me be able to hold on to what little fabric of um, sanity that I might have. Um, but it's also what, in my last kind of major bout of, of depression, made me realize that I'm not in control because, um, so I, when I, with the self-defense group um, at university, um, I was instructor, and I, of course, I took time away from that. And I have another instructor that came in who is, you know, fully everything. You know, he's a proper instructor. And um, then after a few months, I came back and said, right, I'm, I'll, I'll help out. You know, I'll be on the side. And someone asked um, if I could show them how to punch. And obviously, we have the pads and everything like that. And I just went, okay. And now, usually, I will do a soft punch, and it doesn't do anything. You know, I, I've got control of it. And I did what I thought was a soft punch and he flew four feet backwards. And I just immediately went, nope. And just sat back down and just went, Tom, it's yours. I can't. Now, luckily he was okay. There was padding and everything like that. But I was like, there's so many issues with it. With one, and I think this is the worst thing is that I didn't know how hard that was. Yeah. I didn't know if that was the hardest I can hit. I didn't know if that was medium. I had no idea. And that was me when I was trying to be in control. Yeah. And I'm like, I do not want to lose control yeah. because what the fuck? And, I, and that was that was really difficult because, like I say, I've been, you know, meditating and being taught how taught discipline for 33 years on and off. In some but there's, but there's, a, there's a physical. It, it, God, it, do you know what that is? I don't know. We've never spoken about this before, <laughs> I don't think. But we maybe should have done. You know, when I used to have PT sessions and mm. I used to go to the, the PT and stuff that I've talked to you about, mm. he used to try and get me to do boxing, like boxer size and stuff for fitness. And I used to say to him, you got to just let loose, just let loose. And I went, I can't, because if I go, it won't just stop in the gym. It will continue every, and it bleed into every other part of your life. Because I think there's something about the physical act in the same way that smiling can actually light up those parts in your brain and make you feel happier because you're physically doing something with your body that is associated with something else. I think when you were in that mindset and you're that close to losing that, punching, kicking, being violent in any way can just tip you over the edge, even if you're doing it in a non-violent way, if that makes sense, like in a controlled environment. Like, I, I can't do it. I could never, I can't go back to martial arts. I couldn't do it because I would lose it and it would not stop there, you know? And, and I think, yeah, and... It is so problematic for me now. Luckily, you know that in terms of my control, I believe I've got it back. But it was it was very lucky that I had the person I did, um, you know, friend of mine who's also a, a trained martial artist there to be able to just go. 
to yours. And it was lucky to put, I think the person I, 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 I hit, you know, it was, it was padded and they, they had been there for a very long time. So they had a lot of trust in me and everything. It was, it was fine. Um, but it is so hard. And I mean, saying about punching, I mean, when I, when I came downstairs, cause when my wife died, she, um, she was at home. So I came downstairs and the first thing I did was get a bottle of whiskey and a bottle of schnapps out of the cupboard, down both full bottles. And I then found out later I'd punched a hole in the wall. I didn't realize, I know I punched the wall, but I didn't realize until sometime later because I didn't look at the wall that much. There's a fucking hole in it. And anyone in, um, from America, we don't have walls like yours. It's not that <laughs> easy to do. And I had no idea that I had just let that kind of tension or whatever out of me to do that um and then obviously with lockdown it's it's like right now you've got to live in the home that your wife died in for and that's where actually in a previous podcast that we talked about this is why i my entire life is in an office because it started there because the the lounge was where we cuddled up the second bedroom was where she um worked from home um because she was working with the nhs stuff the third bedroom was where she died and so beds yeah. toilet kitchen office and so that's why it's the same now you know and it's basically the same actually you know i don't i don't even go into my own lounge here because it's not it's not uh, there's no one here she's not here lounge has a connotation yeah for, for for spending it with someone i get that yeah it's, it's kind of continued with it and it's i think it's very difficult and the idea of and like you say about letting someone into part of it is incredibly difficult and I think my entire life is built up of me putting on another mask I don't think there's any ever a time where there's not just when there's not a mask when there's not several mm. um there's actually a friend of mine um who's um private psychiatrist uh, or private psychologist whatever the fuck for a lot of a lot of people up in London um and I remember having a conversation with him and he said that I was the biggest control freak that he'd ever known and the reason he said that was um, his way of thinking was if you are in a conversation that you don't understand, you will go and research it, do a degree in it, do a qualification. You will find out everything about it until you do know it or you know it better than the people that originally spoke about it. And you will do that with everything because it's your shield against. And it was all it's all. And of course, that also adds to my abrasive behavior because I then now know that when I didn't before and then it just adds on and it is like I say it's, it's a continuation of toxic masculinity that I try best to push off but you can't I mean it's I think I've, I've said this before is that if you look at me on paper I am I may seem like a very lovely and calm and you know the guy that that has the uh, teaching qualification in mindfulness and meditation oh, yeah. doing a qualification in yoga that um that is wearing a fucking buddha uh, around his neck that makes his own beauty products and makes his own jewelry this seems like a very different person to what if somebody said to you who is adam yeah. that's not what anyone's going to say it's fuck you on about he's calm and, and what you know that's that's not what and, and i think it was said best when um actually uh friend of mine Dave the same person the one that, that made the comment um first Dave um, <coughs> because he he made the comment when when we're talking about meditation and yoga and stuff like that and he just went and I was saying yeah I was saying all this and he just went no he said the first thing I think about is if somebody that's doing all that is why why do you have to <laughs> and it's and that that's the thing and I think it, so many of us are stuck behind a wall that we can't get past 
and it is very difficult. And I think this is where the biggest problem with depression becomes is because you can't explain it to someone who doesn't have it. Yeah. It is impossible because someone who doesn't have it will not accept that you are not that. And it's, same with, it's not just depression. It's the same with any mental health issue um, because they have, again, Foucault, don't agree with most of this stuff, but the Legree, I'll agree with um, and I realise for any French people like that, I've just said the the grid, but you know it's in two different languages. Um, <laughs> because Legree effectively says that people will treat you in the world that they have created for themselves. So there, they your issues don't exist in their world, and so they will treat you as if they don't exist and not allow that to be any other world. And it becomes very difficult because, of course, if something is thrown back at you as you're the arsehole or you're the problem, you become it. Because it's easier. It's easier to it's easier to it's easier to impersonate a version of yourself that everyone sees than let everyone in on what what is already there. It's that it's like a, a version of the um, it's better to remain silent and let everyone think you're an idiot than to say a word and confirm it. It's the same in terms of everything else. You don't want to confirm that you may be vulnerable. You want everyone to just think something of you because fuck them, because that's what you can always do. You can always say that you can always go fuck them. Doesn't it's matter. Tough defense, of course it is. Like, and you okay. say it a lot. You say I don't care. You do <laughs> care. Yesterday, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna let people in on this. Right? We had a conversation <laughs> yep. that I said that you'd piss somebody off, right? And you went, Yeah, it happens. It's what I do. Cool. I'm okay with that. Like you then, and I knew you would do this. Sent me a message straight after we hung up the phone yeah. and apologized. And you've done this numerous times and. I know that that's your mechanism. I know that's your defense. So when you are an arsehole to people, I'm like, but that's not Adam. That's not, that is not who you are or who you want to be or whatever. That is a version of you. So I guess it is who you are in a given reality, but it's a version of you that doesn't sit necessarily comfortably with you all of the time. And we know this because you immediately regret it. (laughs) And apologize. So so people would assume potentially because, I drink. I, I don't drink that much anymore. But when it's around university, <laughs> I will, I will, I will drink. And I am that person. But like, okay, let's have some drinks, things like that. Then get me into a club. I shut down immediately. Becky knows this. We're going to be outing each other um, because I've done this with Becky, and I've ended up <laughs> when when you when you know you've been drunk and not seen people hitting on you. I've been the grumpy fucker in the corner just going, okay, right, I'm going to just stay here. But I've just been, I've not drunk, exactly. I've not got involved with people, I've just sat there in my hoodie, which is a great thing to wear in a nightclub, people really trust you at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't look weird at all. No, not at all. Um, you know, you're, you're the guy in the corner with the hoodie on just sitting there. And yeah. because it's, it's, it, it is easier. Now, that there, there are elements of, of not caring and, and things like that, but there are also elements of overthinking, you know, because my response when you said don't overthink it was my immediate response was, how long have you ever known me? I, I, yeah. You overthink everything. And that's the point. And like I said, everything about, in my mind, I think everything about me is a lie. Um, but it's a lie that you have to tell yourself because you don't want it to not be a lie. At the same time, you do want it to be a lie. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem because... Every time you've helped someone, made someone smile or piss someone off, they're all by the same persona. So what happens if you weren't that? And I think that's that's the problem is that I, I said it before is I don't know if it was in this podcast, or the last one now is that um, it's easier to be the one that everyone hates for everyone else, because that's easier to deal with. 
but is it i see i don't i see for me i choose a (laughs) i choose a persona this i think everybody does this right took me a very long time to realize that i wasn't actually fucking nuts like and i don't know any other they'd say that like actually just mental because i there were several different people inside me that i could almost choose to be at a given opportunity now i know that i'm just very good at I mean, it's, it's defense, right? It's from being in situations where I've had to adapt very quickly, read a room and be who people wanted me to be for my own safety. That's fine. I get that. But what that's meant in adult life is that I can effectively go, people like this version of being me. And I quite like people's response to this version of me. So this is now who I want to be. And it is a choice. Like, it's a choice to, to act in the way that you act, to do the things that you do. In your mind, there are there are thought processes that will go on that will be your true self. And I don't think anybody's true self is what they portray. Like, I don't think anybody is absolutely who they are in their own heads. Right. We all have really bad thoughts. We all have, you know, things that we answer so aren't socially acceptable that we necessarily wouldn't say. But we we kind of maintain that even psychopaths, even and I mean, real psychopathy here, even people that commit heinous crimes in some way mask that you know they're, they're never fully themselves apart from maybe when they're committing those crimes or or just afterwards if they're having like if they're you, in that episode. criminal psychopathy rather than I, I mean even general psychopathy to be fair there are elements of psychotic breaks in that where people will show them through their true selves right and i just don't think anyone is ever their true self so when you become aware of the fact that we can choose who we want to be based on who we what we like the reaction of i don't think i wouldn't agree with you for me personally that being the bad guy is easier because that makes me very upset i you know i I don't deal well with people not validating my own existence so i need people to like me i am that is who i am so i try and be a nice person because people generally have a more positive response to it if that makes sense and i think that's that's part of of depression that's like i said before it is good for people to to know that everyone's fucking different with this it's not all the same csi kind of bullshit and it is and again i think that comes down to your your general default because if your general default is that way then of course you'll like the you'll like some people pleaser of course you know like if you're a people pleaser that is your default of like i just want everyone to like me because a it's safer makes me feel better makes me feel more secure in the long run it fucking doesn't because you go well actually if i'm not being myself do they actually like me (laughs) so it's a catch-22 i think that's kind of why i find it easier to just be the 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 arsehole because yeah it's it's easier to dismiss people that don't like you it's far easier because if someone dismisses if someone doesn't like you when you're a people pleaser and trying to be nice how do you defend yourself whereas whereas the when you're the arsehole it's like well yeah it's your fucking choice it's a lot easier to defend um and i think it's yes it does completely block you from people so uh, the the point that always really confuses people is my friends don't know where i live my friends didn't know where i lived when i was with my wife that is and they didn't know where i lived before that they didn't know where i lived before that it's why people couldn't find me when i was suicidal because no one knows where i li- knew where i live i'd meet up with people because that is different that is a different that is where i'm at home i am and that that's just it people don't even you don't you know the road i'm on but you don't know where i live yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a point now to come around <laughs> so I bloody know where you live. <laughs> um, but friends don't, and and people, I mean, even family to didn't to a point. You know, it's and I think it's just it's just easier. And again, it's I think for me because my default is anger and upset. It's an easier thing 
to defend. And again, because I was brought up with in every pos- mm, every good thing that I can trace back will have had an element of be- me being rewarded for toxic masculinity. Mm. Even though my thoughts on it are not the same, even though my my actions on it are not the same. Mm. It's still rewarded by that your white male big good. And so it's easier to just sometimes seem like that because Mm. uh, because it's easy to 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 bring the world. And it really does confuse people when I then talk in a certain way. Like I did one on um female attacks and on on Twitch and someone was just like what the fuck like I think they knew, but they were just like, he gets it. And I was like, yeah, because I don't think it's that hard to fucking get, guys. But <laughs> like, but they just didn't. I, th- I don't think, even though they were a friend of mine, I don't think it really clicked for them. And, and it was just very strange. And it's like anything. I think it's easier to just hide behind it yeah. a lot of times. And especially, I think, when my, when my wife died, it was easier for me to just cut off. And I did cut off a lot from just everything because... Okay, I quit. I mean, I quit my job as soon as we hit the pandemic, really. I mean, I'd, I took time off. Um, but then as soon as the pandemic hit, I was like, yeah, I'm out. See ya. Mm-hmm. Nah, not happening. Because, I, you know, we were in a time when we were legally um, under obligation to stay at home. So I was legally told to stay in the, the house that my wife had died in. And it's like, and, and again, this is the thing where, where um, memory is not good. I remember what she looked like when she was dead as I came home to that. And it, when people go, oh, you can remember all the good things. It, I remember what she looked like. And that's, that's the thing as well. And I think you never know how you're going to act in certain situations either. I mean, at one point I thought I would read you know, the, the, the thing, I, the eulogy, whatever I'd, I'd written at, the, at, the, um, at her funeral. And my mother-in-law just went, you won't be able to. And I was like, yeah, but I was, you won't. And then at the funeral, I let the, 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 and I just was inconsolable. And I didn't, because I, I, I think there was part of me still wanting to seem like I could deal with it. And I just couldn't. And it just completely, I, felt, and I mean, two of my mates from uni basically just went, we're staying. I was like, what? We're staying tonight. No, you got a fucking choice. We're staying. That was it. As Sim and Ad, hello um you know that was they just went we're fucking staying and there's nothing you can do about it so we're we're making sure that we're with you tonight um we're gonna eat pizza we're gonna watch shitty films and we are here and that's it um and i think probably they are some of the few that may have some idea of what really goes on inside my head because they've they've seen me for long enough they've seen me at different things and I i don't think they would necessarily see me because they saw me when i was 19 and you know i was the fat kid that turned up at university at 19 i mean if you compare what I look like even now, I mean, I'm when we go from when I first turned up at university, when I turned up at University of Kent, 20 something stone, long black leather jacket, uh, shaved head, my nose pierced, my ears pierced, um, my voice actually more well spoken. Um, and it was just a complete juxtaposition for people looking at me. Saying, what the fuck is? And then I, I that was a, the persona I'd made for college, and so that was what I was when I was there. And then when now I'm now I need to to learn. And one of the worst things, and it's the problem because it's it's part of the the kind of the thing I've created by myself is when people say, and I fucking hate this. I don't know if you've ever said this. You probably have. Hmm. What haven't you done, Adam? I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> 
I really hate that. It, it really because that's my defense mechanism is to is to try and do everything because mm -hmm. two or three things at once that's easy. I can do that. I can I can. So when people go, what have you done? It 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 feels like an insult. It that's how it feels. It feels like people are taking a piss or mm -hmm. insulting, and I know that they're not, but it doesn't stop it, and that's how it always feels. And so it's I think it's really it's really difficult with with oppression when it's when it's always there to try and fight against it because it's always there but that's the reason that me and you do so much because so we don't have to think about it we, we don't have to deal with anything like ultimately if you're busy all the time from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep you don't have to actually deal with the difference between you know the disparity between who you are and who your persona is with all the shit that's going on with the things that you're coping with like all of these things they don't you don't have time to think about it I don't like, I don't like being on my own. I don't like sitting in silence. I don't like doing anything that requires me to be on my own because the minute I am, I overthink everything and my world comes crashing down and I can go from being, you know, quite content with stuff that's going on because I'm busy and doing stuff to extremely fucking depressed in a matter of hours through having that space. Like my partner, he's gone away now. He's gone till Thursday. And the last thing you said to me was, are you going to be OK? Because that's a lot of time on your own. <laughs> and so what have I done? I filled it with talking to you for an hour and a half last night, doing a two hour podcast session with you tonight. Up until this point, I was dog walking. I was in the trailer. I was doing random stuff because I don't want to just sit and think because mm. otherwise everything else, everything comes, comes, you know, into your head. And, and you just don't want to think about that. You don't deal with it. Yeah. I mean, it's like. I have three screens in front of me. All of them are on. All of them have several um, t tabs open, and I'm I'm actively using all of them yeah. because it it. And I, I I'm the same with with silence. Um, parents out there, for the love of fucking god, stop telling your kids to sit in silence and do their work. Stop fucking doing it. <laughs> if they want to be in silence, they will be in fucking silence. Yeah. 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 I when I was a kid, I I. I remember actually I was talking about Sim, um, one of my friends from uni. I went to his wedding and he it was on a Christian retreat and um it was complete silence. It was a what, sorry? A what? A Christian <laughs> retreat wedding. Yeah, but he, he worked there. They'd worked there. Um they're okay. both Christian. And it's 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 in the middle of the uh, West Sussex countryside, so it's just like acres and acres and acres of wood and then this big ass building. Um but it also meant no radio, no TV. And mm. I I was with my ex, I was physically rocking back and forth. I can't do this. She had to drive me to the nearby pub so that I could just play darts and stuff. I was like, I can't fuck. I can't deal with this. What the fuck? Are we, I think we had to go and buy like, some headphones so I could listen to stuff. I'm like, I can't deal with silence. This is, this is going to drive me party. Because again, it's, it's, you're filling your head with things. And, and I think that's part of it. But, I mean, so have you, because we've ended up talking about, I've turned this into a fucking therapy session. Um, so I knew this would happen. Have you found, have you found that like, there's times where you are because you said it about myself that you are surprised that you're still here you said when you when you had it before when you were in the bath and you, but have there been times when you thought actually how the fuck am i still here sometimes it's hard to say because my default isn't i wait i don't wake up every day and and wish i wasn't here i wake up every day and i i am genuinely thankful like but i i don't know there there are points when I, I go, I don't know how I survived that because no one stopped me from doing anything, if that makes sense. Like the times that I've been in that way, it's only ever been me that stopped me. But I don't know where that's come from because 
I'm a juxtaposition in myself where I go, this is what I want to do. And I'm absolutely 100% committed to doing it. And then it almost like goes over a threshold. And then I stop myself without ever wanting to stop. I'm in a fight, a, a constant battle with myself of doing it. Mm. Like I reached, I remember that night reaching for the phone sat in a bar reaching for the phone and in my head going I don't want to I don't want to speak to anyone I want to go and yet my body just like something in me told me to not do that and I don't know whether that is an overriding I've thought about it quite a bit actually like an overriding survival instinct that it just it just happens you know like it stops me from doing it um or what I'm not sure not sure what that is but I yeah there have been times when I am like I don't know how I didn't do that because it was all there I was ready to do it I was committed to it and yet I stopped myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose when it, you almost get surprised that you've stopped yourself as well then. because like, Yeah. Well, afterwards I'm sat there going, why, why did I do that? Uh, what, you know, cause I don't remember doing it necessarily. I don't remember consciously stopping because the first time, the first time that it ever really, I've had thoughts of it, thoughts of suicide for, like I say, since I was about 10, um at various different points and the first time that it really became reality was when I was probably about 13 14 something like that and um and I had a knife and I I cut my arm and I and I was doing it I was going this this is nice I, I remember thinking this is nice this is this is great this is my way out I don't have to worry about any of this bullshit anymore and the thing that I'm looking back the reason that I know that that was what I was committed to is because I couldn't see a future I couldn't I couldn't think about, I, I had no plans at 13, 14. I should have been thinking about secondary school, I mean, like colleges, going to uni, what I wanted to be when I grew up. None of those thoughts ever. And I didn't know I, I had, I couldn't think past the next day ever. I don't remember having that thought. And yet I did it. And, and I, something stopped me. I stopped myself. And I just went, oh. and I look back and I go, why, why did that happen? There was no one there. There was nothing, you know, it was just myself. Um, yeah, so I can't answer your question really. <laughs> in essence, it's it gets, yeah, it gets um, really. I think it gets really, really weird with all that. It's you know you just don't know what's going on with the, with the cutting as well. That's always a strange one for people because I've never met anyone that has done it apart from me that basically doesn't see see it as some kind of release. Mm. For for me, it's you need to do it. It's not, and it, it, there's not a release. It's just this is what compulsion. This, this is you've got. To, I mean, I, I, I think they're probably still here somewhere. I, when I was certainly when I was at my my um, other flats in my desk because it's a new desk and I don't have any drawers. And the drawers that I had were always razor blades. Mm. I don't have that kind of razor. Um, they're always razor blades because, yeah. and I always had. Um, they, they were there, and people always be like, well. Is, doesn't that mean you know you've got to do something it's like no it, i just need to know they're there it's, i suppose it's a bit like some alcoholics that have a bottle of whiskey in the cup yeah um yeah. i need to know that I, I i don't reach for it i mean it's not i think the been four months five months since the last time mm. um and it's it's it becomes that kind of compulsion for you and it's it's really weird because i mean for you there was no one trying to stop you i think for me i did actively have at times have people i mean i i, I cut and then tried to um jump in a canal because i was because um i basically knew that my body was going to shock from the cold and so they wouldn't be able to stop it um and some fucking people stopped me and again 
this is where people are going to find that weird, but I don't like those people. Mm. They, they stop me. That's not, I didn't ask for the help. Mm. I didn't ask them to stop me. I didn't ask for them to do that. Fuck them. And I know that's really weird for people to hear because and it, it, it doesn't fit. And I, I know the weirder thing for people as well is that I'm saying this and you've said most of this with a smile on our face. Mm. However, most of the stuff I've, I've said, there's also been tears that I've been fighting back as I'm talking, yeah. you know, because it, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's one of those things where there's two sides to it. Like the only way we cope now is to talk about it in that way. You, do you know what? Talk about therapy session though. I think I've just, I think I've just figured, not figured it out because it's not like a fucking massive revelation. But like, you said that you've got people there trying to actively stop you, right? And you dislike those people that are trying to stop you. There's only been one instance in my life where someone's intervened in something. It was when I was really young, um, and it was my stepmom who was an abuser as well. Just FYI, and. I remember, I remember she came into my bedroom and I had that, not, not a, a different knife, it was a fucking butter knife. Like it was, this was an ideation. This was not a real, you know, I was too young at 10 years old. I don't think I knew what to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I had that knife and I was doing whatever with it. And she came in and I remember her. I hated this woman, still hate her. She's dead now, hate her. Um, and I remember her coming in and coming, the next time I see you, you'll be dead. And if you're not, I'll do it myself. So there may well be something in me yeah. <laughs> that's like, no, you're, I'm not going to let someone make me do that. Or do you know what I mean? Someone who I absolutely despise. And for me, she is the root cause of many, many issues in my life. She wanted me dead. Well, then maybe I'm just fucking pig headed. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it you know it's yeah. that level of control someone else having control if anyone's out there has ever been abused in any way shape or form it's all about control it's all about them having control over your life and even when you're not around them with them in that situation anymore they can still exert control by their behaviors predicting your or like you know influencing your behaviors in the future so the only way to break that cycle is to take that control away from them and to not let your behaviours in any way, you know, be associated with what, what with what they've done. So maybe on some level, that's what I've been doing. My body just instinctually like doesn't do it, <laughs> won't let me do it. It's 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 stopping you because that's what somebody else wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And how fucking stubborn am I? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird. I mean, I, I've I've had. It's really strange because I've had um, police come round because of it two or three times. And it's been very strange because th those are times, like you say, when you know they walked into your room. That I had that. I had that police police officer just walk into my room. I was in bed, and there was a bloody knife next to my bed. And I always find it kind of funny that they left the knife behind. <laughs> but I had. Did they take you? They left the knife, but took you, or they just left you? They left you with the knife. So. The weird thing is, is that I think that was the best person that I've, uh, best police officer I've come across that's dealt with mental health. Um, and th this is why I, I, it, it doesn't need to be fucking, um, you know, funding for, for, for this uh, or, or just have people actually know what they're doing. Because he was by far the best because the first thing he did, the first thing he did is to literally tell me he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And I know that's not going to work for everyone, but for me, who has studied in psychology and in counselling, and again, 
being the person in the conversation didn't know stuff so went away to do it so that I do yeah. the normal counseling techniques do not work on me because I, I will tell you the fucking page you're reading it from I hate it but the first thing that this guy did was just like I have no idea what you're going through I don't understand there's nothing I can tell you that's going to help mm-hmm. and then talks to me um and he basically just went you're not going to use that again are you I just went not right now no so okay I'll leave it there and just doing that actually made me not do it again and he he, you know it was it was really weird I was literally in bed um you know cuts all over my arms and everything and and the the knife was there and you know it's not like I'd fucking wiped it off it's not a murder scene it was it was covered in blood you know it wasn't it didn't take a fucking detective to figure out what I'd done um and he just went okay when you know I'm not gonna and that was a, a lot better than then I mean, I've had it before where I had someone sent around um, after my wife died. I had um, police officers sent around to my house. Um, and uh, he really pissed me off because he, he just basically came into my house. Um, and the, I didn't really woke up because I had a dog at the time. And it was just like, yeah, it was, it was very different. But I think it's, yeah, when you have someone just come into your room like that as well, I think you're saying with your stepmother, it, it's very difficult um, because you're immediately vulnerable. So you push back against anything that's there anyway because you're not in the right position. You don't have control of the situation. Like you're saying, if you don't have control of the situation, you can't, yeah. you're always fighting back against it because you want to control the situation. That's Wouldn't it have been interesting if she told, if she tried to stop me from doing it? I wonder what I would have done. Do you know what I mean? Like if she'd come in and gone as someone I absolutely hate and despise and gone, don't do this, please don't do this. Mm. I'd probably go, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And I, it's, I find it so misunderstood by so many people as well, though, because like we've just said, like between us, the stuff that we have similar is also different about how we've interacted with depression. And yet, as I said, again, CSI will just go, yeah, well, you know, you've got some frozen out of bed. Yeah, you can't get out of bed. You can't eat. Da, da, da. It's nothing like that. At all. If anything, it, it doesn't affect. No one notices when I'm ill. No one knows. And, and the thing is, we are functioning members of society as well. We're both on paper, very accomplished, very educated, like successful in our own rights. And, you know, I've got a family and you've got your you've got your whole fucking charity for mental health. Who then thinks that under the surface, that's what, you know, that's what we are. And it just goes to show that it literally can affect anyone in any way. And uh, this is, you know, I'm going to quickly go off subject but not on but not off subject uh, this is what pisses me off when people try and throw it at celebrities because mm-hmm. the more accomplished you become doesn't take away depression money doesn't take away depression if you mm-hmm. thought you were a piece of shit when you were on the streets and that is what your mind tells you constantly then you can be the most successful person in the world with the most amount of money your mind still tells you you're a piece of shit but now you would beat yourself up even more because of the fact well why I have everything. Why am I still a piece of shit? And yet, whenever anybody goes, oh, well, you've got nothing to be depressed about, I want to hit them with something. Um, because every time, who, who is allowed? That's the question I always want to ask is, who's allowed to be depressed then? Because, oh, well, I can't, I, you know, when everybody, you always see celebrities now apologizing for the fact that they're moaning. And it pisses me off. The, the, the term first world problems can go fuck itself because first world problems are problems for people in the fucking first world. We don't have the problems for anybody else because they don't affect us. They are the problems. They are as effective in mental health 
to us because they are the problems that we face. We don't face the other problems. And we're beaten up by the fact that you're then thrown into um, even more of an existential crisis because now you have to hate yourself for the fact that you hated yourself. Yeah. And, and and throw on top of that, if you feel like you're a fraud, right, like we all kind of do with when we suffer from these sorts of things, mm. then you've got this big following or, do you know what I mean, you are heralded as some fucking guru of something where you've got lots of money. Well, now you feel like even more of a fraud because you're going, well, inside my head, I am not good enough to be like this. And now all of these people look up to me. It, it just, it widens that chasm of disparity between how you see yourself and how everyone else seems to see yourself and the pressure mounts. Like the pressure is 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 huge, right? For, for anything. Having a child, I'm sorry to like bang on about her, but you know, she's quite a big part of my life. Having a child is just pure pressure of, this is such a fucking massive responsibility that I didn't really sign up for, you know, no one prepares you for that. And suddenly in your mind, you're going, but I'm still as broken as I was before. And now I need to push all of that to one side in order to care for this tiny little thing, that level of pressure and letting her see who I am. I don't want my child to see how broken I am. I never want her to see that really, because I don't, think in my mind that's not something to be proud of but then at the same time and this is this is the issue I also know that that's me and I want her to see me because I want her to know that it's okay to be who she is otherwise it's just this fucking never-ending cycle <laughs> of, of, of fucked up people you know it's oh and it's, it, it, it is I mean like I say my mother has kind of admitted now that she's probably had depression in her life I mean, yeah almost definitely yeah but I never knew that I don't think anybody else has been uh, has been told that and it's it does become like that where you're just trying to not be you but because you're trying to make yourself something else but you can't do that because you want to and it's like so i think the two times when the three times when my my family and my mother has just been like what the fuck with me is when me and my ex me and my ex ex broke up um when my wife died and the funeral of my my wife because they were the the three times apart from the every fucking day whenever I watched anything after my wife had died. Um, those were the three times that they saw me cry. And not just saw me cry, saw me just broken. And they had no idea what to do. Because every funeral we'd been to before, my sister lent on, because I'm the youngest, I'm the youngest of 13. I was the one that she lent on. My mother was the one that, um, you know, she lent on, on me. So, you know, when I just then just broke down and was hugging people, Especially because of the fact my mum is like five two, my other sister's like five one, five, mm. and I'm six two. It's just yeah, um, it just looks strange. It it, I think part of it also kind of broke them because they had no idea because I had never let that bit out because it was easier not to, and it's just like the what the fuck, what what do we do? What how do, and I don't think, and I still don't think they realised that I wasn't broken then. I've always been broken. It's just that I let you see I was broken. And th that's it. It's it's the you know there's a you know a dam letting out water. There's a plaster that goes over it, and every now and again you need to change the plaster. And when you change the plaster over, it's a bit of water that comes out. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Um, and it can be really difficult on those those around you. And you know. Well, because you've just shattered their illusion of you. Ultimately, like it, that's what you do. You you build people up and you paint a picture of yourself for everybody else that you're happy with and they're happy with, and everyone lives quite happily with that for a period of time until you can't do that anymore or you need help with something and you see the people that can either cope with it or, or can't mm. do you know you know like 
this is probably going to be my my final comment on it really is that there will be people in your life that cannot and don't want to deal with it they don't want to know they don't and they will say that they care about you but they care when it suits them when the the picture of you is something that they can fit into their life right that that is palatable to them Mm. my dad does not he does not want to know me other than one particular image of me and when I needed to show him you know really through no fault of my own I was medicated and I was not very well and I went to his house to literally go I'm really not very well but I would quite like to be around family because I lived on my own at the time and he asked me to leave because I was scaring the children because I was on medication and I wasn't do you know what I mean I just wasn't with it and he then so he sent me sent me away and I went back to my flat on my own and then um, after that he he said please don't come around anymore until you're better that was it that you know that that was it and I just thought you don't know me you don't want to know me you want one version of me and that is not me so I've you know, I haven't had contact with him for a very long time but my point is some people no matter the fact that they should be able to like family should always be able to accept you for who you are it's not always the case some people just can't deal with it for what and that's their issue that's not a you issue that is definitely a them issue because they cannot fit that into their lovely neat little world i mean there's also there's also um in with that the idea that it can be cured um and it's that can fuck off your friend um it's you know this idea that it's don't get me wrong some things can there is a there is a cure or there is some but not everything. And, you know, this idea of like, you can just get better. It's not a broken leg. Um, you know, it's, it's in terms of people, things that people can understand, it's not, it's not a broken leg. It's um, disrupted tendons, which never, never but, it, but at the same time, I mean, I know we're talking about depression specifically, but we also talk about bipolar disorder. Mm. Bipolar disorder is, and, and borderline personality, those are disorders. Those are disordered ways of thinking and disordered ways of your brain responding to, to different stimuli. For me, they're not something that needs to be fixed. They're just a part of me. They are who I am and how I am. And they enable me to do some fucking fantastic things and behave in some spectacular ways that other people don't have that that ability to do. Don't try and fix me. This really, sorry, this really got me. My dad then sent me a song, a Fix You by Coldplay, right? And was like, I'll try and help you. And I responded going, don't fucking bother because I don't need fixing there's nothing in me that needs fixing I just want someone to accept who I am that's that's it that's, it doesn't need fixing that's the problem for a lot of people on, on that idea of, of the idea mm. of being fixed and it's also I mean going back to the idea of neurodivergent which I mentioned right at the beginning how many people have you ever heard say that they want to cure someone with dyslexia mm. don't do it mm-hmm. and yet autism depression they're all neurodivergent things and yet we want to fix them and we want them to be cured. But we never talk about curing dyslexia. So we go, it's oh, we're not socially acceptable. We can't cure the simple thing. So we, we accept that we can't cure the, 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 I say simple thing, and obviously, especially depending on what kind of dyslexia, it can be far worse. But what is generally thought of in that way? We can't cure that. We're not going to try. Uh, but the stuff that's really bad and makes people want to kill themselves and disrupts everything around them. Oh, we can cure that. What the fuck oh. is that? I have a question for you. Have you ever heard of an academic paper? It's a fairly famous one called uh, Happiness as a Psychiatric Disorder. Have you ever heard that? It rings a bell, but I don't think I've read it. Okay, so it's really interesting. It's from like the 70s. It's really old, but it's basically like a, a spoof parody paper. If that, I mean, if academics had a fucking sense of humour, that would be it, right? And it, it, but it's really interesting because it talks about 
we we villainize almost people with depression because they are at one end of the spectrum that is unpalatable to general population because it brings us down it makes us not feel very good what about people that are like super fucking happy all of the time and they infect me with their happiness i don't want to be happy i i i'm quite happy where i am you know doing what i'm doing happy i'm i'm quite content doing what i'm doing but they're super happy why don't we treat them why don't we try and cure them of their extreme happiness why is it that one particular end of the spectrum is less or more desirable than another. It's a really interesting paper and I would suggest you read it. It's called the it's Happiness as a Psychiatric Disorder. Mm. Have a look at it. It also is a comment, like a satirical comment on the DSM-5, the ICD-10 and various other bullshit little books that I'm going to put in the same category as Bibles for, for all that they're bloody worth to society. Like, oh, the, the, I mean, it's, it's a fucking nightmare because you've had to do it. And obviously because of my um, qualifications for it, I've had to fucking, I, I have to pretend I care about it. The, DS, the DSM-5 can fuck off. Um, and the, in fact, technically the IC, ICD, although no one seems to use the ICD, even in countries where we're meant to use it. Yeah, well, this is it. English, it's supposed to be an English version. Yeah. Everyone uses the DSM-5, yeah. which doesn't make any sense because there are literally completely different things. Borderline personality disorder is an American terminology. It should be emotionally in, emotionally unstable disorder or whatever, EUPD, mm. personality disorder. Yeah. But we call it borderline here. And I, I remember correcting the psychiatrist and going, that's the Americanization of that. Shouldn't we be calling it EUPD? And he was like, mm -hmm. Uh, it also, uh, I mean, it, it's it's off subject, but it comes because the DSM five and I think, well, not DSM five, it would have been the DSC, DSM three. Mm. Rain Man can fuck off as a film. Um, <laughs> it's just everything about that film is wrong, and it's based on that fucking book. Ev everything, and, I, and I, to make it of that, to everyone that thinks that's an amazing film, to everyone that thinks they understand autism or understands mental health because of it, you're oh. wrong. Every single thing, including. The premise of the film being based on someone who actually, un under the um, when they were actually diagnosed, likely didn't have autism. Ironic. Uh, everything about that film is wrong, and that, that this is a problem that we believe the bullshit, and then that's what's thrown back at us. Like again, CSI. Um, it's, it's like, can I just say, when I first got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, everyone used. To Everyone used to go, sausage surprise, because the only bipolar disorder person I'd ever seen was Jean from EastEnders, who was like an absolute. Oh, have we lost you? What's that? Cake. It wasn't all my thing. That's not a good representation of it. Mm. Yeah, sorry, the internet went funny for a second, I think. Yeah, it's because I was getting too irate about sausage surprise. <laughs> Fuck knows how it deals with me. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing, and it's just. You, if you don't fit, then then people just put you into a box. It's like because the, the the one that I've 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 met, I've talked about this on on um, on Twitch and on on my my mental health YouTube uh, channel about the idea that people don't seem to realise that you can be happy and depressed at the same time. Mm. They don't mm. equate it because it doesn't fit. So for you, that's what people knew. So that fitted. That's the way they want to do it. But if it didn't, but the idea of those two, in their minds, completely opposite positions, well, that can't be right. What are you know about? You can't be happy and depressed. That's fucking can. 
Yeah, I mean, who is this who? Robin why Bill. are we linear? <laughs> Robin why, yeah, exactly. Why are we linear? Why Why is everything a linear thing that cannot coexist together? We coexist. I've said this to you before about relationships. I was an absolute arsehole, but he was also really nice. You can be two different things at two different times, depending on different situations, contexts, and everything else involved. We're complex human beings. Like, we have complex emotions. We are not binary. Like, in, in that sense, we, we don't have, right... That's it. Today I'm happy. Tomorrow I'm going to be sad. Like that's just we're nuanced. That's how we are. That's what my my biggest issue with TikTok is. Is at, I know it sounds really weird, like off subject, but listen, they did a no nuance November on TikTok, and I wanted to punch through this fucking screen. What does that even mean? It meant that they took they were basically uh, what do people call it now? Uh, like a hard take or whatever, where they gave no nuance to things, and I'm like, no, the fucking world that needs helpful. to be helpful. That the world doesn't operate in no nuance. If it does, you're fucking Trump. Like, I don't, that's, ooh, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of the problem with politics now that people don't like nuance, but there we go. Um, nuance allows people from different um, belief systems of, in politics to talk to, to each other. Exist, like yeah. me and Becky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and do you know what? I was going to use that as a fine example. I am about as far left as you can possibly get. You are, mm, how would you talk about, centrist maybe? Um, so I am, I am social justice, I'm left, economically just right. Okay. Whereas I am probably everything just very socialist, like I'm, I'm very far left, but I can understand that you would have similar views to me in certain things, the same way that I look at the Tory party now, and I think there are some policies which I wouldn't be, you know, adverse to, like there are, there are things that work for society and things that don't, it's not a one size fits all blanket statement, that is not life, and if that were the case, we're all fucked. Because not not one of us is one thing. We can't just go, right, well, I'm a nice person. That is me. I'm just a nice person. No, you're not. You're a dickhead and you're this and you're that and you're everything else under the sun. Yeah. You know, in one yeah. go. And that is, that is the thing. It is nuanced. I know, yeah, politics is always the obvious one to, to put forward. Because, again, yeah, on social, um, on social justice, which is, you know, the stuff that is just being a kind person. I mean, we've, I think we basically agree on everything. I'm, I'm, I don't think there's anything we disagree on. But on economics we wouldn't because i, I don't and, and again that's probably because i have a very different upbringing but but then it's, it's, it's position a position of privilege over there yes. there's a penis between oh. your legs you're white and you are male. And I'm, middle class, yes. <laughs> and I'm well aware i'm well hey i'm well a fucking aware doesn't mean i disagree with the views but we won't get into that um, but, <laughs> and again it's like it's, it's like david cameron's the obvious one for a lot of people because a lot of his a lot of his um policies did not fit what someone wanted to hate about the tories Mm. He was no, not, you're absolutely right. He, he, in yeah. the in the same Gay way marriage. that Tony Blair, Gay marriage, like, yeah, <laughs> but in the same way that Tony Blair was not t- typically what you would think of as left, yeah. you would not think of him as a Labour leader, like you just wouldn't. And yet, you know, he was. And there are lots of things I hate hated Tony Blair's policies. A lot of them. I mean, Iraq is a you know a, a prime example, but there's many other things around it. So yeah, you're right. We we coexist and we live in this murky, bloody world. Yeah. Mental health is no bloody different. People right. are no different. It is murky. It's difficult, and it's comorbidity. Where if people don't know what comorbidity means, it means that you can have two mental health conditions coexisting at one time, often more than two, and you will see in the DSM-5 and IC-10, because that is basically all we've got to go on currently, um, the majority of mental health will have comorbidity with something else. And you will see bipolar disorder with a UPD or bipolar with depression or you know, schizophrenia with depression or whatever. Like all of these things kind of overlap because people are not just binary. We're not just one or the other. We are everything all in one go, pretty much. Yeah. 
Uh, we, um, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's the thing, and I think that's where our our shields for each other become a problem because when we start to put up those shields and when we start to um you know not show who we actually are because it's easier and things like that people then will put you in a box you put yourself in a box really yeah but it's what it's i think it was i was just going to say that so for me the the easiest bit to describe um the idea of that that kind of box that you put yourself into is mm. the fact that i um i will go looking for um qualifications and reinforcing of my own um intelligence and things like that which i don't believe in and that brings me on to the other point is that i've then written a book on why i don't believe intelligence exists and this mm-hmm. is where somebody literally read that and just went but i thought you thought you were smarter than everyone and i just went when have i ever said that no. but that's but that is the persona i'd given forward and so that's which i did to myself but that's the problem is that then you have to then when these things happen i mean that's my own internalized bullshit but these things happen in different ways that we then have to go and deal with that and be like okay so what do i do now how do i how do i go on from this and then Mm. that feels like an attack on you even though it wasn't an attack on you it's just how somebody saw you and it it will happen constantly like that and it's really difficult to try and kind of get to grips with it um so i mean do you envisage this is not going to be a nice question do you envisage a day again when you reach for something to you know I hope not. Okay. Like, I really, I really hope not. I really hope that um, that side of myself. I'm. I, do you know what? I'm. I'm learning to love it in a weird way. The only way that I can say that I'm moving forward is I'm accepting it. And the more that I accept it, the less it feels that it is at the surface. Mm. Like the more that I kind of go, there are shit times, and you know there are things that are going to happen, and I feel this way, and it's okay to feel this way. The more that I kind of go, yeah, it's fine to do that the less likely I am to get to that breaking point of, I just don't want to be here anymore. Does that make sense? Like, it's not a, a, oh, lovely, everything's happy, clappy. You know, if you can be nice to yourself, everything's fine. It's fucking a struggle every day. Mm. But it is that case of if I allow myself to feel it and I allow myself to be that way, it's less likely to take over. So I hope not. (laughs) Well, if I give myself three years, I won't, at least I won't be a statistic. Um, if anyone that's wondering about that, the biggest killer of um, men under 40, under 40. in the UK, that includes heart disease and everything else, is, um, is suicide. Um, <laughs> so three years and one day. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about you? Do you? Can you see that happening? Oh, it's the way I die. I, I've, said, I've said this before. I... I, I, I it's there's two ways I die. It's a heart attack or by my own hand. Heart attack purely because it's what seems to kill people in my family. Apart from the first world war, it's the biggest killer of people in my family. Um, <laughs> when I did genealogy, it's literally how everyone goes. My father Apart has from the first world war. I love that. It is. I mean, it's literally that's literally it. The big, the second biggest killer of members yeah. of my family is the first world war. Killed, killed almost an entire generation. I was one of very lucky to even exist. Um, wow. So uh, apart from the First World War, that's it's literally the biggest killer in my family. My my father mm. has um, angina. My uncle died at sixty after a run, um, which is really good. He was the youngest of that generation. I'm the youngest of this generation. And I'm a marathon runner. Cheers, cheers, Uncle Colin. Um, so it's yeah, it's it, by my own hand or half sack. I don't. I 
and I know that people, again, I think it's really difficult. It could be really difficult. If anyone is still with us at this point, well done. But, <laughs> I don't know how long we've been talking for, so probably no one. <laughs> oh, I'm nowhere near my longest. And, you know, no. <laughs> Tom Davey on a different podcast, you have that, um, you have that record at three hours. Um, so, but it's, um, I, I think it can be really difficult, especially for those probably watching more than those listening, because those listening can't, those listening can probably hear when we are when there's a catch in our throat you can probably hear when we're trying to stop ourselves from breaking down if you're watching you possibly can't because you're watching our faces not listening to our voices as much um so that the 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 way of um, interacting with it is very different so i think it's very difficult for a lot of people to understand the idea of someone smiling and being yeah let's do the podcast okay everyone hey and then being like yeah yeah i'm probably gonna kill myself because it, it, it doesn't make sense to people but this is the problem and and, and you made a point about it earlier is we get people neurodivergent people get pushed into a corner because it, it offends people that are neurotypical and the thing that always pisses me off from the thing i want to do with my charity is the idea of fuck you to neurotypicals because i'm not going to be a certain way just because you've done that and we've lived in your shadow for too long and that's that's it I'm, I'm not I'm not prepared to do that anymore and I think that's also where my that's because of my stubbornness it's also the, the reason I think a lot of this kind of fucks around my head is because I, I have diagnosed OCD from the age of nine so my stubbornness is full-on kind of no, you're fucking doing this um, <laughs> um and then again ocd is another one that gets massively um misrepresented oh, that, yeah because ocd for people with ocd apparently we turn the light switch off five times you know or obsessively clean yeah yeah, yeah just yeah no <laughs> no um the, the energy drinks i mean so for anyone that doesn't know ocd about 90 percent of ocd is um made up of uh, intrusive thoughts the vast majority of ocd is nothing to do with your actions um this is why certain um, ways of treating ocd are bullshit when it comes to ocd cbt mm. being one of them doesn't fucking work for ocd because you can't do that when 90 percent of it is you trying to actively you know so this is i've done a video on this and it won't make sense to anybody that doesn't have ocd a, a lot of the time i don't think people with ocd actively gaslight themselves all the time it is yourself telling you you've done something wrong and I've, we've had this conversation where i've where i've had to ask because i because ocd tells you there's um there's a fuck is her name journalist she did a an interview with um prince harry when prince harry actually opened up about his the first time he opened up about his depression um and she had convinced herself that she had molested her child and her ocd had just done that and her husband was there like I have been with you like every no you haven't yeah but that's what OCD does now I've not had those kind of thoughts but I've had thoughts that I've caused a problem or that I've done something or that if I don't do something someone I love oh, is going to wow. die horrifically yeah. and on top of that the the one time unfortunately I can think vividly is with the OCD OCD doesn't just go it's not just someone whispering oh if you know the fucking thing when you're a kid step on a crack break your mother's back it's not that it's your mind giving you flashes flashes of an image that that is what has happened. You have caused that. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that, yeah, OCD, OCD and depression are a fucking great mix. Um, because, because you hate yourself and you're also rewarded by the fact that you think you should. Um, so. okay, here's, here's one for you. I've got another one for you. Yeah. So um, 
I'm not, I'm not going to go and seek a diagnosis for it. Right. Mm. But given the fact that I know myself and I'm fairly in, an intelligent, educated woman in this area, I'm 90% sure I have ADHD and I've probably had ADHD my entire life. Um, and it has been, you know, I've found masking strategies for it as a girl does because it, it, it presents very differently in women. Try having ADHD and bipolar disorder. So every time that you're slightly like on one in an episode or whatever, thinking that you're rapid cycling in your bipolar and that you're about to absolutely spiral, it's like you're teetering on this edge of, I want, I've got loads of energy. I want to go and do things. I want to, you know, start a fucking business and do all of these different things. But I can't do too much because if I do too much, then I'm probably going to end up in a, a decline and then I'm going to end up in a depressive episode and I want to kill myself again. And da, 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 da. it is this constant like battle and yeah, walking a tightrope. So that's a fun one too, the old ADHD. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've had people say that I, 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 I'm not going to seek diagnosis of, of that I potentially have ADHD and uh, bipolar disorder. Both of them have been said to me because of oh. having, having what is seen as manic episodes. I just see them as doing something um but <laughs> but this is but this is my point why diagnoses are wank just fyi everybody i do not believe in diagnosis i know we've talked about it a lot here but they are pathologizing really appropriate responses or neurodivergences in our brain and they do not require a diagnosis what they do require is understanding actually and adaptation so adaptation for yourself to help you live in the world and adaptation by other people to allow you to live in that world that's what it requires not fucking diagnosis and lots of pills just FYI. I see slightly different views on this, but because I think um, it depends on how how you're how you're treating it. I think when pills, for instance, become the only way of treating someone and they don't suggest anything else, that is not good. But I also think they can be helpful in it's, if it's a, if it's a several pronged attack. The would agree. Would agree with you if you're teamed with therapy and a pill and a change in in lifestyle and a change in your circumstances, etc. Dependent on what it is, I completely agree with you. And on top of that, therapy for anyone out there does not mean talking to someone necessarily. That's talking therapy. There's lots of therapy. The second you say therapy to someone, because unsurprisingly, guys, the guy that tries to know everything about everything that when somebody talks to them, I don't fucking do talking therapy. I can't <laughs> do it because if someone is actively doing that, I, like I said earlier, I will act. I will be like, OK, so this was the page that you're quoting from then. Um, like, I, I end up therapizing the therapy. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I, it drives me potty. Um, yeah. I'm doing a qualification in counselling, um, but that's more to understand it because why the fuck wouldn't I do it? You know, and that's the thing that's that's my problem is it's like why wouldn't I? And because people yeah. go why why have you done all this? It's like well why not? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, you don't. You never need to convince me. Like I get it. I'm, yes. If I had the finance, if I had the means to do things, I would. I I I just don't. So I do other shit instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, you know, I had I had an episode three four months ago when I I was very you know when i said was the last time i was you know um self-harm fucked off to different countries i decided you know some time in the desert was a good idea apparently i I did the proper kind of go and fucking find yourself basic bitch shit and you've come Um, home with a necklace and everything like no 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 no, no. this i had before my my nephew also has have you got bangles on as well no i'm good (laughs) i do however have a, a Tibetan singing bowl. Singing bowl. I saw that. I saw that earlier. But I, that's for different reasons. That right. is. That is. So that is for meditation, but not in the same way as everybody else does meditation. Um, because I believe music and meditation go together really well. Because I nearly started a charity on music a while ago. It is not to cleanse a fucking room. P 
piss right off. No, because that's what you use sage for. In a Fuck right off. You know what annoys me is that because my qualification, um, I've, I had to work with those ideas and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing them. Because um, as I said, I'm qualified for as a. Open your mind, things can coexist outside of things that you don't understand. Fuck right off. Fuck right off. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, people with crystals, yeah, fuck off. Um, it's, 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 what is it? Dara O'Brien that talks about it. He says, um, people whose answer to anything in the world is, um, I just don't know, get in the fucking bag. <laughs> so, you know, I've got things like this, but I've also got poop bag. Oh, so yeah, I mean, I've got that. I've got, I've got all that. But I know I, most of this existed beforehand. Um, and this existed before, beforehand, but it was just a kind of, I need to not be here. I mean, this is actually the longest I've spent in the country in, in, a, in days in a row um, since December 10th. Um, mm-hmm. And I, because that is, I mean, it is effectively me finding a way, similar to you with, um, you're not going to call it this, but I am, um, similar to you with business, sort of finding a way to run away, running away. Mm-hmm because you are finding a way to run away. You're just not calling it a way to run away because you're running away from... Stay around the corner. <laughs> you know exactly what I fucking mean. I do know what um, I mean. It's just a different way. And I, I just did it physically. Um, <laughs> I, was like, oh. I would have loved to do it physically. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the, the best one uh, that I, I they often find, and actually a therapy that helps a lot of people um, is physical therapy. Now, we'll have to separate that i don't mean you go and see a fucking physical therapist um i mean like running the amount of people that are marathon runners and ultra marathon runners so almost every member of the 100 marathon club in the uk i've met has some kind of form of depression yeah we, we all it's like it yeah, is yeah, no, i mean i was a, i'm a runner i say was i am a runner i'm just not a long distance runner any longer i did a 20 mile the other day though if okay. that counts <laughs> I know I'm only taking I'm only taking the piss because I've got a marathon in two weeks. I know you have, and I, I'm in awe of you. I also don't have the fucking energy to do that anymore. I don't feel the. I did just sign up for a 10k. Anyway. Yes. No, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is that a lot of and again, my th- my therapy become because that is part of my therapy is is physical stuff becomes an attack at myself as well. So I, I've said that, so. I did um, 15 marathons in 15 days last year. Um, finishing with the London Marathon. When I broke down, anyone that's seen the little shorts I did, I broke down. I cannot fucking help it. I did not want to, and anyone that's seen it will see me trying to stop myself, as I do all the time. Um, but I just, I couldn't not, and I just broke down. Um, but the reason I did those 15 was to help a charity called Brains Trust. And the reason I helped those people called Brains Trust is because um, in the f- last few weeks of my wife's death, uh, my wife's life I said to her what the fuck do I do I can't hit anything I don't know what to do I'm not a neurosurgeon. I don't know what to do mm-hmm. and um she said help friends trust help this charity and so weirdly enough that is also one of the reasons I'm still here because when the last time I wanted to though those nine days from the point I can remember where I those were my last days in August 2020 um one of the things that stopped me was the promise I made to her to help the charity, along with a lot of other stuff. And I always make the point is that there wasn't one thing. That promise wasn't alone. There was a lot of other things. There was people in Twitch that were t- just talking to me. And they weren't talking about mental health. They were just talking to me. There were my doggers of everything that meant that that day passed. But it is strange that that then becomes. And this is where I also get, and I know this is not intentional, 
I also get, again, irritated by the people because they see it and go, oh, my God, that's so amazing. And I'm like, no, it's almost the reason I'm still alive. It's not it's not an amazing it's not an inspiration. Fuck, I really I hate that. I was on somebody else's podcast. Jan, I'm sorry when you do put the podcast up. I really hate this bit of it. I hate being called an inspiration because I get called it a lot in things like this. It's like, no, I'm not. I didn't. So there is no challenge on this earth that I can ever come across that will ever match what she went through. She Mm -hmm. was the inspiration. She was the one that hit the challenges. All I'm doing is running. All I'm doing is, you know, jumping out of a plane. That's so what? I didn't do anything. This yeah. stuff is not inspirational. It's the stuff that's keeping me alive because of a promise I made that is part of it. You know, that's there's nothing else. And I think that's, I think we, and this is where I disliked something that you said earlier in the other podcast, if anyone was watching for that one, it's why I don't like kindness because it, it's, it seems so fake and it seems so, it, 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 I almost take that kind of, oh, you're just amazing. I see it as an attack. I see that like when I'm if I'm at work or if people I see that as an attack mm. I, I I don't like it I don't you know I'm not a fan of it I was you know I was at the was the, the, the member of staff awards fucking every time I was a member of uh, since I worked at the university I was I was nominated every time I didn't like it because it, it feels wrong it feels like it feels like an attack somehow and I think this is the stuff that's misunderstood for a lot of people. And it's very, very hard because, as you said, depression is not the same for everyone. I was just going to say, right, so you see you see that as an attack. And that's why you don't like kindness and, and being called inspiration. And, and I get that. I do understand. I equally don't like when, when people herald me. I, I was at a conference not that long ago. And I was just talking to people and explaining to them, you know, how I got to where I was. And da, da, da. Oh, wow, that's so inspiring. Why? Because I survived. Like, what the fuck? What? I had a child. Yeah, but you raised her. So fucking what? Like, I don't. I see your point, and it doesn't. I don't. I'm not quite as abrasive <laughs> about it. I don't. I'm not like, oh fuck off. I'm more like that. If you think that's inspirational, then you're very warped. Like, there are other things in the world that are more inspirational than than that. Like, and equally, I get a bit annoyed by the fact that I feel like them saying that that is inspirational that I've survived x y and z almost gives kudos to the people that did that and the people that did that do not deserve any credit for having a stake in my life mm. does that make sense like yeah. I get angry about that I get angry about the fact that in some way they have shaped me and you don't deserve that no one deserves to have a I am who I am and I've done what I've done and that's me right no one else especially people that have hurt my sisters deserve to have anything to do with with my life so when people go oh it's amazing how you got through that and you know you did this no 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 because that was because of them I wouldn't have had to do any of that fucking shit if it wasn't for them you know so don't (laughs) it's just not and on the flip side for me to to say anything good uh, good for me in my mind attacks anybody that committed suicide because mm. I survived. That's the only difference. I, I, I didn't do it because of the things that I'm then doing, because they were part of many other things that stopped me in the first time. But that, but then, then we get the bullshit of like, oh, they're a coward because they did this. And I, I want to put everyone that's ever said that's head through a fucking wall. Until they I'm understand how much, how much bravery it takes to get to that point, to do that thing. Like, that. that's not cowardice. They, they are doing something... I mean... God, this is really contrary. Incredible because they are ultimately in their own mind for that period of time 
protecting everybody that they know and love from being around them because they do not think that being around them is a good thing you know like that that's ultimately why you do it because you, them, yeah. the world is better without yeah exactly i have a child i nearly killed myself when phoebe was two like people would and have said that was the most selfish thing what about your child what about your daughter my daughter would have been better off in my mind would have been better off without me in her life at that point in time i feel differently now i do i feel but equally that's a shit ton of pressure now because i'm here and i forced myself on her <laughs> like do you know what i mean like that's that's the whole thing it's not cowardice it's fucking brave well, so it's, i i it's hard for people to understand i don't i also don't see the good in things because everything good went when my wife died so mm. there there isn't anything would you, things don't equate because that was the last that was also i think to in certain points you know people say about the you know my fucks dried up a long time ago so i can't give any that's i think what was the final thing for me is that that's when i was like no it's do you think that will ever change i also don't want it to that's the thing that confuses people that's the difference really isn't it that is ultimately that's the difference because it's Again, for anyone that anyone that knows me or thinks that uh, thinks they know me, um, the levels of self hate are not, not you know they're not they're not small, um, but it, it's just that you know, and that's that's the thing with with depression, and that's that's what it is, and you, you will never see what someone is going through. You will never under, and I don't give a fuck. This is what I I don't like the word empathy. You will never understand i don't give a fuck who you are what you've been through whether you've been through exactly the same thing through your entire life you will never ever understand and that's that's the problem that's why I, I i hate a lot of the way that we interact with it because it's this assumption that we will and that's where neurotypical the neurotypical world is a problem because the neurotypical world wants everyone to be in a specific box and doesn't want to work against it I mean, if we fuck it what was his name Philosopher talked about the um, the fact that if we could, uh, if the um, lions at London Zoo could speak English, you still wouldn't know what the fuck they were saying, because their their way of in didn't use that language. Um, but, you know, you, you couldn't ever understand them because they're everything about their life is absolutely different to yours. Everything, every every part of it, the way they they look at different things, what they call certain things, everything is different. It's not just learning a different language, which can be difficult. It's absolutely oh, different. Life, yes. And and that's the point. Is we you could be in someone else's head and not know which door to go through. I feel like this. I feel this way about the trans community. About the. I mean, I'm part of the LGBT community. I'm not trans, but I am part of the community. Hmm. And there is no way on God's green earth that I could ever understand what a trans person goes through, ever. Like I couldn't. I. Yeah. It, even if I went, even if I transitioned, mm. I could not understand what every trans person goes through because it's equally, you know, every life is completely different. Oh, and I think if we sit there and we try and, and empathise, it's a it's a human nature, like it's human nature to try and do that. But it's a pointless fucking endeavour. It's utterly pointless to try and all we can do is listen to people. That's all I try and do in life is just listen, because there's no way that I'm ever going to understand what anyone's gone through. But I can listen to them. I, th I actually, I actually find it more insulting to try and do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I have friends that are that are that are trans as well. To go on that that point, and I've I've known people that have transitioned, and I just, I, I don't, I, I just go, okay, fine. 
because I, I, I feel like... Where do you even start? There, there is no common yeah. understanding there, is there? You're still that person. So my, my, yeah. my, my, um, my sister's uh, child is non-binary. I don't give a fuck. The first, when they came out as non-binary, I just went, well, I'm, I'm still your uncle. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I, and, I, and, I know it's, it's, and that's, of course, can be very difficult for people because that can be taken as... You need a level of awareness. You need a level of acknowledgement. Yeah, the, the, people can take that as a different way. But me saying I don't care isn't anything. I mean, I'm part of LGBT, but people don't see that. And so mm-hmm. whenever I've said stuff in the, in the past, people always take it as, oh, it's your, you know, straight cis man. I'm not. You made that assumption. Yeah, and um, that's the thing. People assume. Christ, I'm fucking married, getting married or have been married with a child. What assumptions do you think they make about me? <laughs> Not the right ones. <laughs> I can tell you that. It's you know, it's it's all those things, and I think we need to allow people to just yeah, allow people to just be. talk is and, and just, just be, be yeah. and want to be. Just it's exist. Difficult. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just be. Why do we try and figure people out? Like, I, I God, this is such a hypocritical thing to say because I'm literally a psychologist. Oh, well, I'm but, about like... to use a similar thing because I think you've already gone. <laughs> you know. But why, why, do, why do we try and figure people out? Why can we not just let people feel what they're feeling, listen to them if they want to talk to us, but just let them be and stop trying to interfere, stop trying to figure everything out? So I'm now going to be um, incredibly, um, uh, what's the word? Brandy, because uh, I've, I've written a book, I've written a couple of books, but one of them <laughs> hasn't come out yet. Um, the blurb on the back and the bit I chose from the book to be is perhaps mankind's most tradi- traditional of follies is the want and need for reason and purpose. <laughs> so we're just going kind of round it. Very true. Um, Very true. You know, that's, it's, we, we do try and do that. And that's where, you know, we end up with people like Jordan Peterson. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I, know, I know. Can we end there? I don't think there's any coming back from yeah. that. <laughs> I think that the, the problem is actually, and, I know people that assume things about me because of me mm. that way. And when actually, again, like we said, my, 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 uh, on social um, issues, I am as pretty much as far left as you can get um, mm. on, on the socialist issues. Your economics, I don't, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's that, it's that thing with, with all of it. And it's, it's just very difficult to interact with that world when it's trying to attack you. But um, I'm sure there's things, but I wanted to say, and I haven't, and I and I and we've not been able to get get across it. But there we go. Um, was there anything that you wanted to say, or that you think has come up, or just anything to finish up on? I'm glad we didn't cry. So that's always good because I need to go to bed in a minute. And I'm I was not about crying. to say, why are you glad that you didn't cry? Because that's showing you, Becky. No, but I didn't <laughs> want to be. I, I, I'm on my own. If I had someone here then fine I could cope with that and like we spoke about before I don't like being on my own mm-hmm. um because I will overthink it I'll probably go away from this conversation overthink everything I'll anyway I'll, absolutely yeah and start to analyze everything and whatever but that's fine um that is that's what we do <laughs> we try to understand and make sense for everything even though <laughs> the entire world doesn't fucking make sense oh, yeah. no I I just I guess the takeaway point for me is and we talk about this a fair amount is that everybody feels things incredibly differently sees things incredibly differently and assumptions are the bane of our life we made assumptions about each other we make assumptions about everybody every single day often those assumptions are wrong I've got a very good friend out of making an assumption that you are basically a dickhead for quite a while (laughs) and it's not wrong you are a dickhead but you just weren't 
in the way that I like you're a dickhead that I wanted to get to know and you have been incredibly um you're not even supportive do you know what I can't even say that you're supportive <laughs> you're not you're just you're just there <laughs> I love that That's but you're not are you because you're not supportive in the traditional sense you're not like you won't I don't know pat me on the back when she, oh, do you know I went to you a year nearly a year ago now and I remember sitting in your living room you made me cake and we we're drinking tea and we we're talking about the shit that I was going through with the job thing and people were treating me very badly and it it was quite unfair like I think it was an unfair way to be treated for for a mental health issue as well historically that's what it all kind of stemmed from and um everybody else that I've spoken to um oh god Becky that's really crappy I'm you know I'm really sorry to hear that and you were like yeah of course why, why wouldn't they of course they're going to respond like that I was like then Adam a little bit of sympathy here nope nothing but do you know what you're the only person that did that and that was a kick up my ass to go well yeah why am I feeling sorry for myself just get on with it deal with it move on and that's what I ended up doing and I still work there now so that's great it's also knowing knowing your audience like the, the, <laughs> the, the kind of oh yeah because basically what everyone had done for you at that point was Dumbledore quotes and that can fuck off <laughs> It's all going to be good tomorrow. Oh, you just need to believe, Harry. Fuck off. <laughs> like, that, that pisses me off. That's what, again, that goes back to the kindness, because it's, it's the L.A. L.A. Yeah. mentality. Um, and I have friends in L.A. Hey, guys. Um, but it is. It's that, it's that fucking studio where you're in the corner going, um, with your legs crossed. Yeah, no. No, no, no. It's, and that, that's, that's a problem. And it's, you know. And I think there need to be, personally, I, I really think there need to be more people that will be aggressive is not the word but will be more arsehole in the public eye because the problem is is that if we get anybody that's um a chair of uh, a charity for mental health instance for instance or something like that they tend to be nice people mm. that's the problem because if they get interviewed by Piers morgan yeah they get torn to shreds yeah and i will i'm gonna put this one out there again because one day you fucking self-indulgent cunt you might do it Piers Morgan or anyone from any of that bullshit Nigel Farage any of you you want to talk to me about mental health bring it on info at upformentalhealth.org that's my email I'd hate to see that feel fucking free and I will be on there tomorrow from when this comes out I will be on there tomorrow you self-indulgent arseholes because all that happens so much is they will attack people because they see that they are weak mm. or they assume they are weak the second is turned on them so for oh. when i don't know weathermen point out the fact that you're a complete cunt peers off he goes walk off stage yeah. because yeah. you can't handle that fact and yeah. that is when neurodivergence starts to push back against neurotypical and that's what needs to happen yeah. and so it, it is that thing and, and i think it's knowing your audience and just going look you know what the people, because I think at the time I was basically just saying that the people, yeah, that that organisation is that. That's what you have to deal with. Yeah. So move, because otherwise you're just you're you, otherwise you're you're running at a brick wall and wondering why it's still there the next time you run at it. Um, and that's the thing. I think there's there's also, I think I'll finish off on on this because otherwise I'll go into about another fifty rants. Wanting to feel better and wanting to move forward is not the same as giving yourself permission to do so mm. and i think the biggest thing that most of us have to get to grips with is giving ourselves permission to move forwards and that permission is when you are allowed to be yourself 
because wanting to, if we think of it, um, because I come up with analogies to come out on my fucking paws, what the difference, most people don't see the difference. Well, they're the same thing. If I want to, then I'm giving myself permission. You're not, because if you've, um, if you're outside of your house and you don't have your key in your pocket, walking out the door over and over again, you want to get in your house. You want to get in. You just don't have a key. Mm. Giving yourself permission is making sure that you left the key under the mat before you left. That's the difference. Now you want to, and you've allowed yourself to do so. And that's what we need to do is to allow ourselves to have permission to be who we are so that when we move forward, we can actually take stock of it. Okay. You take your own advice then, Adam. Oh, fuck no. Do, <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Um, mm. But then again, I, I'll, I'll also point that out. And I think that it's important that people who are in the, the public eye for mental health point out the fact that we are broken too and that we are just as fucking bad as everyone else doing it. Yeah. Any therapists out there that pretend that you're on a high horse, shut the fuck up and tell the Every truth. single psychologist, psychiatrist and therapist has suffered, suffers and continues to suffer with mental health. Every single one. It's, it's such a problem. But um, OK, well, thank you very much, anyone that's uh, joined us for this. If anybody is at the end of this, I mean... Fair play to you. Maybe, maybe there's some friends, some friends of mine from when I was young that just wanted to keep watching to see if I would finally cry. Um, but, uh, but I mean, and this is the thing is that again, our emotions can get all over the place. If um, you know, I've I've talked about these subjects relatively recently on other podcasts and broken down. So we're not the same every time we speak, guys, because different masks do different things. But thank you, everyone that has stuck with us. Um, I'm not entirely sure who's going to be on the podcast next week, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Becky, for being with us. And we will see you again next time. Cheers, everyone. Bye.